For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Let's get it. NC State's back in ACC action at PNC Arena tonight. 7 o'clock, they take on Notre Dame, who's 1-8 in the league. I did not realize that, Joe Ovis. The Tar Heels will cap a four-game ACC slate tonight, too. They're at Syracuse forever. Roy Williams never lost to Syracuse. Mm -hmm. We'll see what Hubert Davis does in year two against the Orange. Did you realize Carolina's 1-4 on the road this year? And their only road win is over Louisville, so that doesn't really count. Yeah, I mean, I think this is kind of indicative of where the league is right now. Um, Duke is in the same boat. And I know we'll talk about Duke a little bit later on, but Duke is a completely different team on the road than they are back at home. If I told you Syracuse was 6-3 and three in the league, would you believe me? No, I wouldn't, actually. They are 6-3 and three in the league. <laughs> Which is funny, because I, I, I do go to Ken Palm every day, and I'm just kind of, like, looking at stuff and okay, they poking beat. around. All right, but well, here's our explanation. Beat, there right? you go. Notre Dame, BC, Louisville, VT, Notre Dame, GT. Yeah. So they yeah. haven't beaten a team. That has a winning record, and this is and this is why uh, earlier. This is why earlier in the year I said that don't be surprised if Clemson actually ends up winning the regular season in the ACC because of unbalanced schedules. Let's look look at the Tigers, right? They're currently uh, top. They're still eight and one in the league. They're still eight and one in the league. Wow. Uh, their loss, oh, they squeaked against Virginia Tech. Their loss last week was against Wake Forest, right? Mm -hmm. Now, the metrics do not like Clemson. Despite the fact that Clemson is 16 and 14 and has one loss in the ACC, they're 60th in Ken Palm. I think I forgot where they yeah. are in net. Because Cal is awful and they yeah. didn't pound them and Bellarmine is not great even though they're not a bad team and but, they did not beat them. But here are the games remaining for Clemson uh, and how things might shake Clemson. out in the ACC, right? They got Georgia Tech tonight. They got Florida State after they'll, that, they will lose Boston to Florida College. State. Yeah. Okay. The next, they'll, they'll obviously lose to Carolina. They have, uh, they have, a, they have Miami and North Carolina after that, but then back against Florida State, and then they got Louisville, as we know, the worst in the league, and they close out the season against Notre Dame with winnable contests against Syracuse, NC State, I, and who's to say Virginia doesn't? Yeah, uh, I doesn't pop up. I suspect the Virginia game they play at Virginia on the twenty eighth. I suspect that'll determine the okay. regular season race. So all, all of this is to to blow it up big picture with the ACC because I know as we end the month here soon and we start really focusing on one full month of basketball left and we start freaking out about who's in the tournament and who's not. And like Duke loses last night, and the attitude is, "Oh man, I mean, is, even, is Duke even an, uh, an NCAA tournament team? Is Carolina truly an NCAA tournament team?" Yes, they are. It's like we learned no lessons last year, no lessons last year. I, not not those teams. I would be. <laughs> I I look at Clemson's resume right mm -hmm. now. It's I bet you it's not all that different from Wake Forest's last year. Because when you look at what they did out of the league, yes, they beat Penn State, but it was at home. Okay, are you are you expecting the wheels to fall off? Or no, no, no. I'm not. I'm not saying they're going to completely fall off. I'm just saying you you can get fooled by 16 and four the same way that Wake Forest can. did last year. Of course you year. can. Of course you can. Because who do they really have wins over? They have a win over Wake, which was good. They beat Pitt, beat Duke, beat State. So that's good. Tell you what, let me. Um, I'll, I'll 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 bring up Clemson. Right now, Ken Palm has them 
we'll use Ken Palm for yeah. the for the sake of the of the discussion. Clemson has a projected record of twenty three and eight and fifteen and five in the conference. Is that an NCAA tournament team? I think it has to be the right parts. Look at their non-conference strength of schedule on Ken Palm. It's 313. I'm just telling you, if you're looking get, for a comp right now, I get it's that. Wake Forest 22. I That's get, the comp. I get that. As part. we speak. But at some point, and I get that the things that I get that things have shifted in the NCAA tournament. But there's a couple of factors here. All right. The first one being if Clemson's the type of team that's 15 and 5 in their conference, what does that mean for the rest of college basketball? I, you I, gotta fill out the tournament. I understand that. I didn't make this up though. Wake Forest was 16 and 4 last year. I know Clemson sixteen and four right now. Do you think that Wake Forest should have been in the NCAA tournament last year? Uh, based on what we now know about Virginia Tech and, and North Carolina and how they were not rewarded for those wins, mm-hmm. absolutely. Okay, so but the and, fact remains they weren't in the tournament because of their non-conference strength of schedule. I get that. And looking at Clemson's non-conference strength of schedule right now, that's one of those numbers when it's on the board. You go, uh oh, that's one of those red numbers that you don't want on the board. We also have to keep in mind too that the committees change as well, and sure. year to year, how what they value might change. There, there can be something that one group in, puts import over another yep. one stat, but I'm telling you that non-conference schedule, what you do away from home matters. Who you beat that's in the field matters. You, you know what else matters? Winning. Give me the win metric. Shout out to Bert, who's like, yeah, yeah, you talk about quad ones. I'm talking about quad I won, all right? Sometimes I do feel like that when it comes to college basketball, and we get a little too nerdy on this stuff. And this this is not me trying to do like an anti-analytics rant. I'm just simply saying that how we talk about this stuff has warped some brains. That's all I'm saying. Net's the biggest culprit, by the way. Well, don't look at their net. Your net doesn't matter. Your opponent's net does. But even that shifts. So how can I not care about Careful. my net? I know. <laughs> You're fired up. <laughs> I, you just start, had a lot of letters there. I, uh, I did. <laughs> There's okay. your radio professional. This, this is where the professional. This is this is the same person that during the football season can talk about clock management and say things like, man, that team was really. But, you know, you can do out the rest. I'm not going to. They were sucking clock, Joe. Draining. They were draining that clock. Got to be, re- you got to, you got to enunciate. Really got to enunciate. All right, let's keep moving. One of the four, all of the four, or half of the four. Tom Brady doesn't have to worry about FCC violations because he does a podcast, and I think it's on SiriusXM. Anyway, Tom Brady's podcast is called Let's Go because, of course, it's called Let's Go. Let's circle back to this time last year where Tom Brady openly told Jim Gray, his host, Man, I don't know. I'm taking it day to day. I'm not saying I'm not going to come back, but you never know. And it led to lots of speculation. Of course, he did come back. He unretired. So if you're Jim Gray and Tom Brady just wrapped up his season with a brutal loss to the Dallas Cowboys, and this is your first opportunity to talk to him, and people are wondering what's up with Tom Brady's future, what do you think Jim Gray is going to ask you? Um, in the most milk toast possible way, since it's a paid programming yep. deal he's gonna ask him hey man what, what what's gonna happen next what's he's gonna go full seinfeld what's the deal with your offseason and here's the exchange on the let's go podcast tom you're leaving everybody guessing uh and you said you'll take your time do you have any type of a timetable as to what you might want to do uh regarding your football career jim if i knew what i was gonna fucking do i'd have already f-ing done it okay i'm taking it a day at a time I sense you're antagonized by the question. (laughs) 
You're scratching. It's only like the question scratchy. that everybody wants to hear. You're scratchy. I appreciate your asking. Thank you. You're scratching? I'm going to take my talents to South Beach. Look, man. Tom Brady's always been a phony when it comes to the persona. And that's fine. I'm late to that game. Yeah. Yeah. Look, man. When you're when when you're singing. Because only in the last 16 months have I really been like, wait, this is totally inauthentic from Tommy. Mm-hmm. But I don't blame him, by the way. I mean, look, sometimes I think we ask too much of our athletes to be all the things all at once. Sure. And I don't I don't begrudge them to try to find a personality because all they do is football, right? Like, he's singularly focused on being a quarterback and winning and getting to a certain age. What kind of a personality would you have in the grand scheme of things when you're so laser-focused on this one thing? And Aaron Rodgers is in the opposite direction where he's kind of been searching for one, so he kind of absorbs whatever kind of thing he's in. So... It's why it's easy for him to get duped into online conspiracies because he's just kind of looking for that thing, right? So Brady, I'll say this about Brady and, and my takeaway from this. Last year, you can tell he was struggling. He truly struggled. We talked about it. He clearly made a deal with Giselle, his wife. This was going to be it. He was following through on the deal, and then he hated what life was like after football, and he just could not keep himself away, and he unretired. The rest is history. This is a Tom Brady that sounds to me like he's miserable. Now, that's his own decisions that have put him in a miserable state. And he's so miserable by how this all played out that he can't help himself from coming back one more time. The wise thing to do would be walk away now. Like, man, look, man, I gave it a go. It Time is truly up for me. And I'll go get that cushy gig with Fox. But does that sound like a man who's really going to let it go? No, he's still mad that the Niners took Giovanni Carmazzi, so he's going to go play for the Niners. Yeah, it's totally what's going to happen. Next up. Speaking of the Niners, they play at the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday in the first of the championship game doubleheader, Joe Eagles. Two-and-a-half-point favorite. Who do you like in that one? So the Eagles are uh, – no, they'll win by more than that. The Eagles will? Yes. Eagles win so, and cover. So, win, yes, win and cover. That's the terminology? Right. Thank you. you got to remember, I don't do the gambling thing, man. That's just basically a home three. Okay, a home three? Yeah, give me the Eagles. Okay. Second game, Bengals at Chiefs. This actually opened as Chiefs as a favorite. It is That's now, shifted. It is now moved to the Bengals and Joey Burr minus one and a half points. Bengals are the favorite. It's tough to... It's tough to bet against where Joe Burrow is right now. Joe Burrow is the great disruptor in the NFL right now. And I'm not trying to say that with some, you know, Silicon Valley speech trying to be hip cool. What I'm getting at is that we get so locked into conversations about quarterbacks in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes is he the best because we did it last year. We were trying really, really yeah. hard to we were trying really hard to say that somebody other than Patrick Mahomes was the best quarterback in the NFL. And what does Patrick Mahomes do in the regular season? Has another another worldly year. He's the MVP in my book, right? I think he will be. And then you know all the Josh Allen people were like, "No, us." We see how that how that played out. You know, there's the the Tua Hive came through. Don't mess, don't me- the Tua non people. Don't mess with the Herbert Hive either, because you know how the Justin Herbert Hive is, man. They want everybody fired because you don't understand the greatness of Justin Herbert. So this the money's on the table though. But now that the money's on the table, I feel like... He misses the cheetah, no? I, I, no, when the money's on the table, I know where you're going with it. What I'm getting at is, 
I almost feel like there's a new guy when the money's on the table I want him as my quarterback. Okay. And that would be Joe Burrow. That's where I'm at right now. I know what you're saying. They don't have Tyreek Hill in Kansas City. Um, and they've been okay without him. Yeah, they've but been it fine. Does, it does feel like, though, money's on the table here. And 14 catches for Kelsey mm-hmm. in the in the win over the Jaguars. The next highest was four catches. I, I, that's not sustainable, particularly with Cincinnati's defense, the way that they play. And let's not forget, Cincinnati's beaten the Chiefs three times in a row. I think a big part of that has been the ability to neutralize Kelsey. Next up. Number two. So the Carolina Panthers are back to the drawing board or back for seconds. According to Mike K, Charlotte Observer, the Carolina Panthers coaching search is going to go back for second interviews. They've talked to like eight. They've completed eight different interviews. The most recent one, Kellen Moore, offensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. They did talk to Sean Payton, the uh, the, the current the current New Orleans coach, or at least he's under contract, I should say. Uh, it would require some sort of trade to get Sean Payton to be with, with the Carolina Panthers. This applies to all the other teams that are interested in Sean Payton right now. I'm going to be curious to see how it leaks out or how it's reported who the second interviews will be. I also don't know what to think anymore. You, know, you kind of had an idea that David Tepper would singularly focus on a guy, do everything he can to get that guy, and this would be a quick coaching search. That's not been the case. At one point, I thought the longer this goes, the less I'm inclined to believe that Steve Wilkes will be the head coach in the end. But now I'm actually wondering, based on what we get in the second interviews, well, maybe I was too quick to assume that Steve Wilkes was out of the running uh, based on all the interviews that they've done. So I'm really at a point right now where I don't know where this coaching search is going. You could tell me that it'll be Sean Payton. I'd believe you. You could tell me they'll go back to Steve Wilkes, and I'd believe you. We're in an interesting point, inflection point, with that coaching search. I suspect you could get some tea leaves, put them in a vat here on the counter, try to read those tea leaves, and that'll be about as empirical as the search will be for David Tepper. It's ridiculous. He has a coaching, he has a search committee in the NFL. That's preposterous. Yeah, that is kind of that is kind of silly. That is kind of silly. Next up. The number one story of the day. We're number one. We're number one. Back to ACC hoops. Duke on the road is different than Duke at home. And I need clarification as to what ends up getting called as a foul. Next. Thank you for listening to the Best of the Drive podcast. I'm Tim Donnelly here with Coach Pete Deruda, America's wealth coach and best-selling author. Coach, one of the big questions I always hear is, do I have enough money to retire? Well, maybe, maybe not. The most important thing is you have lifetime income you can never outlive. We'll design that plan for the next 10 people to call. No cost or obligation. Put yourself in control of retirement. Call 800-691-3215. You can also text Tim to 600-700. That's T-I-M to 600-700. You'll hear from Coach Pete and the Capital Financial advisory group ah yes we've hit that wonderful time of the year we've got we got we got sports radio stonehenge <laughs> so here okay let's get it get up in the move here all right cool if you're not watching on wrl sports plus we've hit that interesting time of the year in north carolina with the way that the building is situated and the way our studio is set up now that the sun hits through the window and the and the glass portion of our studio door and hits me right in the face. And it really adds some incredible lighting. I mean, look at me. I just it's the golden hour. Look at this. Do I not look great? Like t- t- other shot, Dennis. The other shot. This is this is terrible. It really shines. This is golden hour. 
Look at this. Look good. I like this. Gilio's over there in the shadows. Yeah, no. I like me in the golden hour here. Anyway, uh, you can watch us on YouTube. Just look up 99.9 The Fan on YouTube. Shout out to everybody who pushed us over 2,000 subscribers. We will be sending some hats to some people uh, who claim to be the to, to be subscriber number 2,000. So we appreciate that. Last night, Duke goes up to Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech on a seven-game losing streak. Nobody expected Duke to be the one that snapped it. Yeah, well, that's what happened last night. Here's John Shire, head coach of the Blue Devils, summing up the loss to the Hokies. It was a tough loss for us. It was a hard-fought game, and I thought Virginia Tech was as good as they've been. They were ready to go. The way they shot the ball in the first half, you have to tip your cap to them. thought our guys really competed, really battled, put ourselves in a position to win that game, coming back down from 13. And, uh, you know, really at halftime, just for us to dig down, get some stops, and trust the pass, work together. I thought we had some beautiful connecting passes. Uh, but ultimately just one, really one play short. And uh, you can point to a few plays, but uh, they made one more play than us. That's how it can be on the road. Credit them. You know, it was an important game for them. It's an important game for us. But uh, anyway, really feel, hate it for our guys. We'll learn from it, keep growing, and long way to go. So that's John Shire, head coach at Duke. Uh, the Blue Devils right now are kind of predictable. Are they on the road? They're going to lose a game. Road games at Wake Forest, at NC State, at Clemson, at Virginia Tech last night. Losses. Going up to Boston College was the win, but it was barely a win. Remember, that was a tight one. They ended up winning 65-64. At home, though, Blue Devils have actually looked pretty good in ACC play uh, with, most recently on Saturday, a tough, hard-fought win over the Miami Hurricanes. This is... There's two separate issues here, Julio. There's Duke with John Shire and this group and where exactly they are. And then there's some larger trends we've seen in league play. I don't want to go full jokey jokes, SEC meat grinder, but y'all want old school ACC? Well, guess what? This is kind of where we're at right now. You win at home, you lose on the road, and we're going to have some really bunched up teams by the time we get to the ACC tournament. I will say for Duke, they weren't competitive against Wake on the road. They weren't competitive against State on the road. They were at Clemson, and they were last night. So that's progress for them. They're an interesting team in the sense that the you know they had three of the top five recruits in the country. Kyle Filipowski has turned out to be their best player. And, you know, he has been pretty good, but he hasn't quite been. He, he was like the guy who everybody thought was so good in, during the pandemic. And it was I was pulling my hair out because they were comp, they were comparing him to Christian Leitner. Can't even remember the kid's name anymore. OK. Oh, wait. What was, what was the guy's the name? Doofy white stretch four who oh, just was, was Matthew well, Hurt. There you go. Matthew Hurt. And poor, <laughs> poor Brandon that. Marks would be like, this is the first time since so-and-so that they've made 6-3. Oh, stop. Please stop with Matthew Hurt. Stop. Okay? <laughs> He's not Christian Lehner. Please. Uh, Filipowski's probably a lot like Hurt. He's a guy who can get you some points on a team that's missing a bus driver. Unfortunately for Duke, Dariq Whitehead's injury last night. They just have not. He's supposed to be the best player on this team. Dre Quiet is supposed to be the best player on this team. But he's been hurt. Jeremy Roach is supposed to be the leader of this team. The he's veteran been hurt. presence. He hasn't been able to play. Yeah. You know, I I, th- I do think someone like Roach would get more out of Derek Lively, which they haven't been able to get. Yeah. So uh, they're they're a good team. 
They have fought like hell to get into the position position that they have. And that's what I like and, about and, Duke, by the And the, the way. wins over Xavier, Ohio State, Iowa, those are all good wins for that's, them. Miami yeah. was a good win. So Duke has put themselves in a position to make the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. That's what they've done. Mm-hmm. For There's 350 teams. Yeah. You know, 340 of them would love to be in that position. Mm-hmm. But that's not the standard at Duke. And unfortunately for John Shire, we all knew there was going to be a, a, a curve, yeah. right? It's the first time he's been a head coach. Yeah. But I think what is unfortunate to me, and I don't know if we can just chalk it up to injuries. Because mm-hmm. when I watch Whitehead and when I watch Lively and when I watch Filipowski, I, I don't see five-star talent. Yeah, I that's, don't that's see... Fair. Uh, NBA lottery pick. I that's, that's fair. Filipowski's, you know, kind of grinding, if you will, with his size. He does have a nice touch. Mm-hmm. Lively looks like somebody who probably would have been outstanding on Big John Thompson's Georgetown teams mm-hmm. back in the '80s when there was more of an inside game. Uh, very limited with what he can do outside the paint. And Whitehead is supposed to be that, you know, dog wing scorer. And unfortunately for him. You combine the preseason injuries and now this injury. We there there has has there been a time where he's flashed and you went okay no that's who he's supposed to be no but I will say this about Duke and and you referenced it and the reason why I'm maybe I'll admit maybe I'm grading Duke on a curve in the same way that I was grading Carolina on a curve last year in Hubert Davis's first season and then the light bulb went on and they couldn't they couldn't miss I mean literally Brady Manick couldn't miss mm-hmm. right. I don't think that's what this Duke team's going to do. But the one thing that every time I come I walk away from a Duke win or a loss is that team fought like hell, man. That can get you places, okay? Are they as talented as what I saw back in 2010? Not necessarily. That was also a veteran team and that can also take you far in the NCAA tournament. But I'll say you can still win tournament games ugly you can win games 65 64 you can win games by dominating the glass and all you really need is your key players like a Filipowski to make some big shots when you need it and that's really what they've been doing they go through these incredible scoring droughts in these games three minutes four minutes five minutes but then they'll have another spurt a, a Mike Krzyzewski ism if you will right he'd always talked about I mean, we've got a little little eh, a little spurt there right that's what this Duke team is capable of doing I get your point we tend to judge Duke teams based on the talent they bring in, and not every talented group that comes in is built the same. I get that part. But sometimes I feel like you just completely judge them on that and that alone, and you don't allow any wiggle room for how they can might win a different way or maybe tough their way into wins atop the league. I'll say this. What did we talk about yesterday with Carolina, right? Are they about that life? Last year, Duke wasn't about that life. The front runners. They were all sunny day, and I called that win. Okay, you call it sunny day players, but I'm trying to remember the first game I saw it. It was I, the wake game. It was the were... yes, it was the wake game, and I was like, that team is a front running team. And I kind of win, by the way. It was a win. Yeah, but remember how yeah. it, how it, it, it was how they went about it. I almost feel like it's inverse now. Okay, where. If Carolina was really about putting the hammer down and being a national championship team, we would not see what we're seeing right now. And Duke is the one that is in a mode of, well, people think we're this, people think we're that, but we're going to dive all over the place. We're going to be tough. We're going to fight. I like that about Duke. I don't think there's, I think, I think 
that John Shire understands that this is a group that's not going to be whittled down to a key six, seven guys. I mean, you can watch any any game from Duke this season, and they're using like baz- eight bazillion lineups. Oh, John has done a great job this season, given all of the moving parts. Yes. And for all of the other reasons. So don't misconstrue what I'm saying about mm-hmm. what Duke is this year. But Duke is, I can tell you what they're not. They're not a championship contender. That's fair. But what do I always go back to? Well, who is? Right. Who's on, who has unleashed the fury? Nobody has, have they? Well, you I mean, brought even, up, even my Cougars. Right. Houston, the Temple. Houston lost to Temple, right? Temple's not good. Hey, man. That's tough. So you could be had. That's tough. That's tough. You know who else isn't good this year? My Zags. Watch it's them. painful. Watch them zig. Maybe. Hey. No, see? do not. See, do not play I got that you back scene. on board. I got you back on no. board. No. Yes. No. Write a letter to yourself. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game-changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. So we've got a couple TV monitors here in the studio. One's on ESPN, one's on ESPN2. PTI uh, is on right now, and they started off the show talking about the Niners and the Eagles and who has the QB advantage. I I, I think we all understand that Jalen Hurts okay. gives the Eagles a QB advantage, right? I mean, yeah. Brock Purdy's done a wonderful job, but I mean Jalen Hurts is an MVP candidate, okay? Yes. But I don't think that game's about QB advantage. I think that game comes down to defense. Once again, right? The Eagles, or I'm sorry, the 49ers made the Cowboys look like the Cowboys of the regular season. Mistake prone, the turnovers, forcing Mike McCarthy into critical game theory, which doesn't pan out for the best, right? So good for the 49ers, okay? But the, to me, the question is, can the 49ers defense keep up with what the Eagles have been doing offensively? That's That's the question. I think Brock Purdy will do just fine. He's doing what he's supposed to do, all right? But we're obsessed with quarterbacks. I get that. So a couple things have popped up. We talked about Tom Brady recently and his insistence on not retiring. And I I saw a couple people, including from people that I know, say, why are are people so quick to just want to get Tom Brady out of here or dunking on Tom Brady for having lost the Cowboys last week or the week before? And it's like, oh, no, he's not going to win his eighth Super Bowl ring. I think what it is is that uh, people, that's a classic human nature thing of super successful people. We like to watch them fail from time to time, right? It's like the whole reason why I love the U.S. Open in golf and when they make the greens impossible, like they're essentially upside down bowls and they can't putt. I love it because I'm watching the best in the world suffer. I think that's why people enjoyed 
Tom Brady losing the way that he did. It's not going to take anything away from his career. The one I don't understand, and I'll never understand, why were we so quick to act as though Patrick Mahomes' time passed him by? Why are we so quick to try and supplant Patrick Mahomes as the most exciting quarterback in the NFL today, if not the best quarterback in the NFL today? Why are we so quick to you do You don't that? know the answer to this, for real? I'm curious. I mean, we were very quick to go, oh, man, it's Josh Allen's time. I'd take Josh Allen right now. Are you high? And we're going to be doing this again in terms of a head-to-head matchup between Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes. Part of the storyline going into this weekend is that the Bengals can potentially beat the Chiefs for the fourth time in a row, which is pretty damn incredible in the grand scheme of things. And Joe Burrow is a hell of a lot of fun to watch. He's got this kind of coolness about him. He's Joe Cool to whatever. Of course, you know my feelings on that. He's basically kind of doing all the same things that Cam Newton did, but, you know, he's white, so it's all good. So I'm really curious as to, because this goes back to the beginning of the season, where it was, well, it's a they, wrap. When they lost to Tariq Hill. Yeah. As though Patrick Mahomes isn't the most dynamic quarterback we got going today. So what am I missing here? We love to give value to the quarterbacks for wins. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is the fifth straight year the Chiefs are going to host the AFC Championship that's, game. I, that's pretty damn impressive. It, it, it is. However, mm-hmm. in football, and when you have a Tom Brady who goes to the Super Bowl 10 times, when you have a Joe Montana who goes to the Super Bowl and doesn't lose, a Terry Bradshaw who goes and doesn't lose, mm-hmm. we tend like who do you, who does history say is a better quarterback? Tom Brady or Peyton Manning? Who does history say? History will say Tom Brady. Correct. Mm-hmm. Like if we actually asked 100 people who we would all sit here and go, okay, they're experts in football. Yeah. How many of those do you think would actually say that Tom Brady is a better quarterback no, than they, Peyton Manning? You, you can take it back further than that. Dan Marino is knocked for not sure. having won a Super Bowl. Sure. Uh, and they'll point out, oh, well, this guy's won a Super Bowl. This guy, he's never won a Super Bowl. But if you actually watch them play, you'll go, man, I'll take Dan Marino all okay. freaking day. Yeah. So what I'm getting at here is we love to assign value to those quarterbacks. Unfortunately for Patrick Mahomes, while he does have a Super Bowl title, Mm -hmm. in order for us to all universally be like Michael Jordan, for all of us to universally be like, well, he's the greatest because he never lost. The problem is Patrick Mahomes has lost. Now, you could explain those with the offensive line injuries and his own injuries when Mm -hmm. they played Tampa Bay and, and Tommy Brady on the road, by the way, in the pandemic. You could explain them, oh, they lost at home to the Patriots in overtime where they never had a chance to touch the ball. Into overtime, right? Mm-hmm. We can explain the losses, but what we don't love to do is rationalize because we want our heroes to be perfect, Joe. Yeah. And unfortunately, there's too many examples of guys who, Jordan, oh, he never lost in the finals. Well, uh, do we ever want to consider that, you know, he has been swept out of the first round before? I mean, like, has, yeah, there we, was a process to we, him we, becoming we, great, we right? Do. Yeah, there's always a process. So, that. I mean, we want to punish, basically, Mahomes for not being perfect. That's the long and short of it. And it, it, he is being punished again because those games are at home. So you you want to be the hero. Oh, my gosh. Well, then you be Joey Burr, and you go on the road, and you win the games. And then all of a sudden, you watch what how people treat your resume and how they do it differently. Dennis Cox is the producer of this program. It's a Madden song or a soccer FIFA song? Oh, no. What is this again? What is it? This is the entrance music of the one and only Kenny Omega. Oh, okay. 
Who's that? Wrestler. No, I, I understand. But what um, what federation is he from? Mostly wrestles in AEW, but he also has worked in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Okay, okay. I know what what Raw Thirty was last night. Yeah, I didn't watch it. Raw Triple X Thirty. It was the thirtieth. They pulled an NC State. Yeah, the thirtieth anniversary. The thirtieth anniversary. Never forget of Raw <laughs> NC State. I know. There's a fiftieth anniversary in year fifty one because they forgot to celebrate their fiftieth birthday <laughs> in the fiftieth year. <laughs> Whoops. It uh, also ha- happened to coincide with a game against Notre Dame, so yeah. it all worked out. Yeah, I guess it did work out. I guess it did work out. That's what out. they did last night. It's the 31st year of Raw. Okay. But they called it Raw 30 because it's the 30th anniversary. Oh, well, look, look, man. It's like Disney, right? Like, Disney just celebrated the 50th anniversary of the Magic Kingdom, right? Magic Kingdom opened up in 1971. They... Right, right. So what Disney does, Disney's brilliant. Mm. Disney's brilliant about this. So they celebrate the 50th anniversary for like two years doing various waves of celebration. But you know why they carried it out as long as they did? Because this year marks the 100th anniversary of the Walt Disney Company. Mm. But that also... What was the mouse's name on the boat? The Steamboat Willie? Steamboat Willie, yeah. Yeah. So this You're proud is, of me right there, aren't I'm you? I'm very proud of you. Thank you. So this is really this is really brilliant stuff and how they play all this stuff out. So wait a minute. You celebrate the 50th anniversary for two years. So, uh, so it gets you to the 100th. So maybe that's what like State did. You know? what, what I hear you saying is everything that Disney is about is a fugazi. It is. That's what I hear no, you No, you're saying. right. You're right, and I accept that. Oh, okay. I absolutely I accept thought that. You, I thought at some point you disputed that. No, I'll okay. tell you what's fugazi, to use your words. Yeah. So there's a ride called Splash Mountain. I don't know if you're familiar with Splash Mountain. Uh, I am familiar with the concept, yes. Okay, so do you know what the, the ride is based on? I do not. It's based on the very controversial, very racist movie, Song of the South, which you cannot find anywhere. Okay. Okay. Song of the South was some pet project that Disney really wanted to do based on the Uncle Remus stories. It's really problematic. Uh, they tried to re-release it in the theaters under new context. Still controversial. They tried to release it from the vault on VHS. Still controversial. Go try to find it today. It's like the one. But Disney couldn't let it go. So we're like, damn it, we're going to make this thing a thing. So they made a ride called Splash Mountain that uses characters from this movie. The Br'er Rabbit, the Br'er Fox, and all that stuff. They finally got around to getting rid of it. So this week, they, they shut down Splash Mountain for a rebrand. They're actually going to... Make it based on, oh, geez, what's the name of the movie? I forgot. Um, the Princess and the Frog. Something more palatable. Yes, Princess and the Frog. You can call it like the Bayou Adventure or something like that. All of this, this this gets us, you're, people are wondering, all right, where is this going with sports? This is right in your wheelhouse. Okay, Give it to me. So they shut down Splash Mountain. It's a flume ride. They drained it. Yeah. There are people on eBay right now selling what they claim is Splash Mountain Water. I saw a jar for like $1,000, and I texted my brother, like, what is wrong with people, man? And he thought I was kidding, and he looked on eBay, and sure enough, there are jars of Splash Mountain water for like 1000 bucks, which gets me to, Joe, what's the most ridiculous piece of memorabilia that you own? Because I know, I know what my dad's is, but what would be the most ridiculous sports memorabilia that you have? Because you so, keep this stuff. Yeah, that's a good question. I'll have to consider it. Maybe the uh, 
ACC Media Guide, page 145. Oh, yeah, where the guy uh, the guy cursed. That's actually over in my uh, that's in my cubicle as well. I also have, you know. You have the Wolf Fact. I have, I do have the Wolf Fact uh, Media Guide. Didn't we bury that? No. No, we didn't bury no. it. We kept it. That one's a little, might have value. It does. It does. <laughs> R.I.P. Sent- sentimental value. It does. Else. It does. It does. No, my dad's most ridiculous piece of sports memorabilia. Oh yeah, this is, type, this does take the cake. It is the bathroom drain cover of the Orange Bowl. Some people have seats that came out of Reynolds Coliseum, like I have, because you and I both had sentimental value for Western Lanes, mm. uh, the bowling alley on Western yeah. on uh, on Hillsborough Street. I actually have one of the, and shout out and, and shout out to the the grill, the five four five grill. Like I actually have one of the bowling alley lights that goes over mm. the, the thing. It's all busted up, but yeah. I kept it out of sentimental reasons. But my dad tops it. He has yeah. like a bathroom drain from the Orange Bowl because God knows what that drain cover has seen, I was going to say, the, the water at Disney World, I'm not sure, <laughs> sir. I don't know if you know that. I won't even say. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.